On this week's episode of Out of Office Bros, we are having our rundown of the NFC and AFC West. So, boom, where are we going to get it started? I think we're going to get started in Las Vegas. What are the Las Vegas Raiders, boom? Just four days earlier, they lost the game 3 to nothing, And on Thursday night football, they rattled off 63 points to beat the Chargers. Brandon Staley got it. Ari Golden by Chargers owner Dean Spanos and told you get the fuck out of Los Angeles. After this embarrassing loss, Raiders 63, Chargers 21. We go to the other team based in Los Angeles as the Rams take on the Commanders. The Commanders are without their starting quarterback, Sam Howell, as Jacoby, I'm still in the league for set is the leading passer for the Commanders, but they cannot come up as Cooper Cup finally has himself a game with 111 yards and one touchdown. Matt Stafford throws for two tutties and 258 yards as the Rams roll to victory in LA. 28-20. In Detroit Rock City, the red-hot Denver Broncos travel to visit Motor City, Dan Campbell, and the Detroit Lions. The game looked like it was going to be evenly matched early in a scoreless first quarter, but the Lions roared to a victory. And after that, as Jared Goff was yeeting the ball all over the field, tossing five touchdowns, tight end Sam Laporta looks more like Sam Lagoda, reeling in three of those bad boys. Lions, 42, Broncos, 17. In Beantown, we have the game that I personally wish we would have seen a Dark Knight moment boom as the field would have collapsed, but it didn't. Instead, we follow the epic collapse of the New England Patriots this season. As we are wondering, is this the end of Darth Sidious? The Death Star blows up as Patrick Mahomes throws for two touchdowns and 305 yards. Chiefs, 27. Patriots, 17. Finally, some Sunday football here, boom, as the San Francisco 49ers do what they do best and win football games. They have won the NFC West with three games left to play, and their offense is humming along. 49ers, 45. Cardinals, 29. We go up to Seattle as the Seahawks and the Eagles are playing for once again, boom, the supreme bird in the NFL. It is about halftime, and the Eagles lead 10 to 3. On today's episode of Out of Office Bros, we got the Broncos versus the Lions review, early signing day primer, and then whatever else comes up. This is Out of Office Bros. Let's hit it. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another episode of Out of Office Bros. It is your boy, D-Train, along with my co-host, Mr. Scotty L. How are we doing today, pal? D-Train, it felt like it was going to be a, a slow week, you know, approaching the holiday. I think a lot of us got next week off. And yet here we are. We, we have so much football to talk about right now. We got a little college hoops going on. We got some college hoops action. Obviously, NHL, NBA are in full swing. We might get into that. Who knows? But... We have a lot for football this week, which you probably wouldn't think of just looking ahead. It's great. 
It is it like for work this like this week and next week are kind of like filler weeks. It almost feels like like everybody's just kind of trying to get through, get things done so they can kind of start everything fresh in the new year and, and hope to move on to bigger and better things. Um, but at the end of the day, the NFL season is nearing its its finale here. We have three games left in the regular season for each team. Uh our team is still well within the playoff hunt. Uh, we have about a 30% chance of making the playoffs now, which it would have been a lot higher had we been able to beat the Detroit Lions on Saturday night. But uh, at, at the end of the day, we did it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we uh, we saw this game as a potential toss-up. Obviously, we were wrong. We got the good version of the Detroit Lions on Saturday. Uh, Jared Goff definitely had his Pac-12 after dark uh, going, like he was back in college playing the Colorado Buffaloes. And you know what? It, it is what it is. You know, you, mm-hmm. you win games, you lose games. Broncos are at 500. Two games out of the division right now. We'll, we'll kind of see what happens. But for me, the story of this game was we finally saw the defense break, which is disheartening. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And that, and that's what was so interesting about this game was it, is it, it looked exactly like we had kind of thought it was going to in the first quarter. Entirely scoreless, zero to zero when those when those minutes ticked down in the first quarter. And then the Detroit Lions rattled off 21 unanswered points to go ahead, 21 nothing at halftime. At that point, it's kind of like shit. <laughs> any three score any three score game is pretty tough to come back from um and so it, it, it you could tell early that that the broncos are going to be out of this one but something that something that i brought up on the last podcast was is that the detroit lions are a true playoff team so something that i kind of wanted to do here was just quickly and briefly run it back through our schedule and talk about the teams we beat that our playoff teams versus the teams that we've lost to that aren't playoff teams. Yeah, let's do it. So real quick, Raiders, we lost week one. Not a playoff team. Uh, Commanders, we lost week two. Not a playoff team. Uh, Dolphins, obviously, we keep talking about this game. Playoff team. Playoff Playoff team. Uh, Bears, we won. First, First win of the season. Uh, then we lost by 10 points to the Jets. And that's where uh, we kind of realized, I think, that this season was not going to go as planned. You know, <laughs> we, we, pro- we, we talked about it week one, but we could we could justify that. Like, oh, it's week one jitters, whatever it is. Week two, the Commanders, that was kind of a weird game. Week three, that's – we like to forget about that. But I think it was really week six when it was like, man, what are we doing? Because it, right. it wasn't Aaron Rodgers with the Jets. Right. It was Zach Wilson. Yeah. And they rattled off 31 points. Uh, then we played that Thursday night football game against the Chiefs, where the Chiefs only put up 19 points. And we had eight. Very close football game. We were starting yeah. to get, we were starting to think maybe, you know, maybe we could turn this thing around. Then yeah. let's go to the win streak. Broncos beat the Packers. Not a playoff team. Not a playoff team. Broncos beat the Chiefs. Playoff team. Playoff team. Broncos beat the Bills. Playoff bubble team. Currently a a playoff team since the Steelers lost. Uh, Then we beat the Vikings. 
Maybe a wild card. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. See then how everything Cle- shakes out. Yeah. Then we beat Cleveland. Potential bubble playoff team. Which is weird given Joe Flacco's every <laughs> center. Yep. Definitely. Uh, lost to the Texans. Playoff team. Uh, and then beat the Chargers. Definitely not. So, so bad. <laughs> so bad. So, so just kind of looking back as like a retrospective here. I mean, we haven't not beat, uh, actually, how do I want to say this? We haven't, uh, not beat other playoff teams the rest of the season here. Yeah. So, yeah. Looking at the remainder of our schedule, you look at those three games. We already have mentioned two of them in the Chargers and the Raiders. Those are not playoff teams. And then we have the Patriots who are <laughs> almost fighting for the first overall draft pick. <laughs> that makes me happy. Um, real quick, before we move on from the playoff teams kind of conversation, where, where would you put the Lions in the hierarchy of our schedule in terms of where do they rank among the other teams? Um, that's a great question. I would probably put them as maybe the third toughest opponent that we played. Only I would go behind, second or third. Yeah, only behind the the Bills and the Chiefs. To be honest with you, I might actually have them above the Bills, and I I might put the Dolphins in. Oh there. yeah, that was so early. I forgot about the Dolphins. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I think it would be you know. In no specific order, the Chiefs, the Dolphins, and the Lions as the three hardest opponents we face, followed by Buffalo. Yeah. And honestly, the Lions might be number two because the Chiefs have been very mortal this year. Mm -hmm. So I I don't chalk this up or characterize this as a bad loss. You're going on the road. It's Saturday night, which is kind of weird. And you're playing a, a football team that is now 10 and four. Yeah, they they're a really good team. Like the Lions are rolling, and we got so used to our entire lives Detroit sucking at football. Yeah, that it it, it kind of escapes us that the Lions are actually good. Mm-hmm. They're going in the right direction. So, and in the and we had kind of talked at, at, at this last stretch here, these final four games, we had said that if we have any chance, we have to go three and one. So. This puts us behind since we since we lost this one. We now have to go three and zero. Oh. And yep. but what's the shitty part about it is, is that now we're not in control of our own destiny. We have to rely on other teams losing in order for us to get it. Yeah, and and that's the worst position you could ever be in in sports. Right, is where you're kind of that middle of the pack, and you need things to break your way in order to get in. It's not a fun position to be in, and it's something that we all know I'm a betting man. I I would candidly bet on the Broncos not making the playoffs this year, which is fine. You and I both had them not making the playoffs ahead of time when we did our season preview. We had us at eight or nine wins. You know, if we we finish the season 3-0, like, is a very realistic possibility, we get 10 wins. We're 10-7. and And that exceeds what you and I predicted somewhat optimistically at the start of the year. Yeah. And excuse me, I I was incorrect earlier when I said that the Bills uh, were in currently. As of right now, they are ninth. Um, The team that that did sneak in this weekend was the Cincinnati Bengals. 
Bungles kind of got it going. Mm-hmm. Behind Jake Browning, of all people. Yeah. I, I just never did not call that. Nope, me either. Me either. I do love the story, though. I do love him, you know, going out and beating the Vikings, who is the team that drafted him and then the team that cut him. Um, yeah. So love to see that. But you look at you look at the rest of the AFC kind of in the bottom here, and it's all backup quarterbacks that that we're going to be playing. I mean, or not not that we're going to be playing, but that that are going to be playing this year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously we talked about Joe Flacco in Cleveland, Jake Browning in Cincinnati, uh, Gardner Minshew in Indianapolis, Case Keenum was playing for Houston on Sunday. Um, the, really, the only other one that has a starter truly at the bottom here are the Bills because Josh Allen doesn't. <laughs> he seems almost unbreakable. Um, but I mean, the Steelers have no clue what to do with their quarterback position right now. Yeah, no, they, they have absolutely no clue. Yeah, as they shouldn't. But, I mean, they they this this is how important that game was against the Colts was, and is that they were in the sixth spot in the playoffs and dropped all the way down to tenth with that loss. God, that that's is how t- that's how tight this AFC playoff picture is right now. Well, yeah. I mean, only one team has clinched in the AFC a playoff position right now with Baltimore. Miami should clinch this week. I don't really know how they – I can't fully understand how they haven't. But – No, not with the 10 wins. It's it's interesting. I think – Yeah, I guess I don't really understand how they haven't either. But they're first in their division – the first in the mile. division by a lot. I mean, Buffalo, I, I guess, if like the Dolphins lose out and Buffalo wins yeah, out. Yeah, and Buffalo, Buffalo win. Yeah, I guess, because then they could both end 11. Then and, Buffalo could be 11 and, and 6, and then the, the Dolphins could be 10 and 7. I guess that's why. That'd be why they hadn't clinched. That's so weird to me. Yeah, but, but they play the Jets this week, so they're going to clinch. Yeah. Yeah. And is this the end for Bobby Salah? I don't think so. I think that New York ownership is going to give him a pass because they put all their eggs into one basket with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. But no matter what, that's got to be the end of our, uh, of our friend, Nathaniel Hackett. Oh yeah. It's gotta be the, I mean, I get it. He lost his QB one, but dude, like Zach Wilson has regressed, right? And that says something. Mm-hmm. Like it's so bad. The Jets are one of three teams right now eliminated from playoff contention in the AFC, along with Tennessee. Which my God, how far they've fallen! And New England, which once again, how far have they fallen? It, it it's a weird year in the NFL, and particularly in the AFC, because if I had told you at the start of the season that it would be Baltimore, Miami, Kansas City, and Cleveland, and Jacksonville. Those are your top five. You would have looked at me like I'm crazy. Yeah, I I would not have believed you. That's for sure. So it's just weird, but you look at the NFC and kind of reverting back, the Lions are very close to clinching. I don't know how they have it. I guess it's because Minnesota is 7-7, and so kind of a similar scenario with the Dolphins and the Bills. But – Detroit, Detroit's a good team, man, and it, and they're hard to root against. They really are, at least for me. And I, 
that playoff picture is not updated. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's Sorry. updated. Um, yeah, so going to be interesting down the stretch here in the final three games, really hoping that the Broncos can rattle off three wins and end the season 10 and seven. That would be better than both of our predictions. Um, Cause you had said eight, nine, I had said uh, nine, and eight. nine and eight. So we'll see how this one goes, but going back to this, uh, the, or going to this Broncos versus lions game. Um, yeah. This one just got away from us. Uh, at, you know, the tight end position from the other team continues to be a thorn in our side. And my God, Sam Laporta as a rookie is establishing himself as one of the best tight ends in all of football. It is wild that a team can get rid of TJ Hawkinson and somehow have upgraded their tight end position. Right. It is wild. I mean, he had three tutties this game. And we just didn't have an answer. We we had no answers for this kid. And good for him, man. Like, great story. Kid can play. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. we've talked about it before. The Broncos, A, need to find a tight end of their own. And B, they got to find someone who can cover a tight end. Because that has been a continuing issue for us, not just under this regime or the previous regime. But, I mean, my God, going back for – as long as I can remember. Yeah. I mean, the tight end position can create such mismatches in the open field because a lot of the time you have these linebackers that are usually playing run that have to go back and play in coverage. So having a, a tight end that's a weapon like that, every team that has a dominant tight end is more successful. You, you, yeah. you, you look at like, look, look at that playoff picture. It's, it's evident that, 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 that is part of the, of the thing. Um, you know, you look at the top of the N- the NFC, the, the 49ers have George Kittle, uh, obviously Travis Kelsey, you know, just look at all of these, these teams, they have a dominant receiving tight end. And yeah. I think potentially part of the problem and the reason we don't know how to cover these guys is because we don't have one on our side of the football. We are tight ends across the entire NFL are the least productive in the league and that's so bad. We haven't had a productive tight end truly since Peyton Manning was under center and he made everyone productive. It, it's a safety net for your quarterback. It's, it creates mismatches, like you said, where it's either a smaller safety covering him or a linebacker that has to back up and they're not going to have the agility or the quickness to really cover a tight end. I, I, I just want Brock Bowers. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> Just give me Brock Bowers. I think I think we're going to have to lose out in order for us to get Brock, Brock Bowers. I think that he's going to be a top 15 pick. Probably, um, yeah. Depends on his injury, but I, I would imagine he's a top 15. Yeah. Um, but the Detroit Lions, man, I mean, they knew, they knew what worked for us. Uh, which is establishing a ground game, and we we just cannot get it going. Uh, Javante Williams had 12 rushing attempts for a grand total of 27 yards, barely, like barely two yards a carry. Absolutely dominant performance um, from from the Lions. I mean, they did what our keys of the game always are, right? You control the line of scrimmage on both sides. They did that, and you run the ball. And they were able to do that. Like, 
they controlled the clock, 31 minutes time of possession to our 28. Those three minutes mean a lot, especially in the game of football. They got 29 first downs. They won the turnover battle as Russ lost a fumble. And, I mean, they put up yards at will. It was 448 yards to 287 on offense right. for us. So, you, you know, it's, it's a bad game, and our defense – couldn't hold Jared Goff in check and we couldn't get a pass rush. Right. You know, you and I talked about that, where if you, if you're not getting to Goff, he's able to pick you apart. If you get to Goff, you have a good chance of winning the game. We didn't yeah. do it. Their, their offensive line looked a lot better than I had seen them play in other games. Um, we we couldn't touch Goff. He had so much time back there. And, and that was the issue. We said that was going to be the issue. If, if he's one of those quarterbacks, that if you give him enough time, he is going to absolutely pick you apart. Yeah. I mean, he, he is a above average starter in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He is. He has been that guy. He's never going to be elite. No one will ever sit here and call Jared Goff elite. And I would love to argue with anyone who says he is. But he, he's someone that can diagnose a defense and he can make the throws. If you give him enough time, he can make all the throws. Like, this guy went number one overall. Yeah. Well, he, he was, was he one or two? He was two. Was that the Jameis Winston draft? Oh, let's check. I think Either that, way, I, think, a, I think Jameis Winston, yeah, I think Jameis went one and uh, Jared Goff went two. Uh, actually, it was Goff one, Carson Wentz Carson Wentz, two. that's right. And then Joey Bosa three, the 2016 NFL draft. That's right. Holy crap. Yeah. God, the top of this draft was loaded. Goff, Wentz, Bosa, Zeke, Jalen Ramsey, Ronnie Staley, or Stanley, and then DeForest Buckner. Wow. That's a pretty, that's a pretty decent top of the draft right there. Pretty decent draft. You know what would be a good um, topic for you know podcast the, here? Is to talk about was, the best drafts of all time. Oh, that'd be fun. Meanwhile, you know who the Broncos took in the first round of that draft? 2016? Paxton. Paxton Lynch. It was Paxton Lynch. <laughs> your face. Your face says it all. I wish you folks that are listening on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast that you could see Scotty L's face when I said that and what he's looking at right now. We took a guy. 26th overall, who's not even in the NFL, got cut from the XFL. But he was Jesus tall. Christ. He was John Elway loves tall quarterbacks. Mike. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think we can uh, chalk this one up. You know, if if we were going to lose any of these football games, I'm glad it was this one. It's a non-conference game against a team that was already that that is going to be bound for the playoffs. I mean, they they if they win one more game, they are a lock for the playoffs. They will clinch. Yeah, they're, they're just outright a better team than us. It yeah. it happens. That's sports. That's yeah. life. Yeah, I think it was Qui Gon <laughs> Jinn said it best in episode one of the fan the uh, the Phantom Menace. There's always a bigger fish. Mm. They were the bigger fish. <laughs> great, great analysis there. I love throwing in the Star Wars reference. Uh, 
The Broncos do play the New England Patriots on Christmas Eve next Sunday. Uh, we will be doing our preview of that game on our next episode. Well, let's move on to uh, early signing day. Early signing day coming Ooh. up for the Colorado Buffalo. Scotty Yell, what is going on for our football commits? Yeah, so let's preface it with this. So the signing day, early signing day, does not apply to transfers. Transfers do not sign a national letter of intent, an NLI, not to be confused with NIL, which is paying them. Let's just get that out of the way. What they sign is a financial aid agreement, and that has come into play for the buffs before because a financial aid agreement towards a transfer means the school is committed to them, but the transfer is not always committed to the school. We saw that with a... Um, God, he's the Broncos quarterback coach now, uh, Davis Webb. Davis right. Webb? Yeah. Yeah. We saw that with Davis Webb years ago when he was um, transferring out of Texas Tech, committed to Colorado, and then decided to bounce and go to Cal Berkeley. Then Sefo Lufau rose from the ashes in 2016 and lifted us to an Alamo Bowl in our best season. Well, pretty much since you and I were in elementary school. So <laughs> that's a depressing thought. But, uh, yeah. Um, so – Let's let's get into our high school class because that's that's what actually matters for Wednesday. Um, so the biggest one, we we've talked about this kid. We we need to keep talking about him because this kid is a program changing commit, and that is our big offensive tackle, now officially the number one lineman for the class of twenty twenty three, and that is Jordan Seaton out of IMG Academy in Brendan in Bradenton, Florida. By way of Washington, D.C. 24 class, my bad. Yeah, the 24 kids. Um, this kid is unbelievable. His his ranking on 24-7 sports, as I'm looking at it right now, he is a true five-star, um, 98 out of 100. He is the 13th overall player in the country for this recruiting class. He is the number one at his position. He is the number one offensive lineman, period. And he is number four in the state of Florida, which is talent-rich. I, this kid's a day one starter. He's got to be, right? Yeah. And what makes this commit so huge for the Colorado Buffaloes is this signals it's not just the skill guys that Prime can get. Prime can get the big boys that you need to win football games. This kid is the crown jewel of the class. He can transform our entire program moving forward. I, I can't wait to watch him sign his national letter of intent, which means he's stuck with us. Well, he can transfer because it's the Wild Wild West. But he's stuck with us for next year. He's coming yeah. in. Our next highest rated commit, also a top 10 program guy of all time. Uh, that would be Draylon Miller, a former uh, commit of Texas A&M. Six foot, 190 wide receiver. Overall number 67 in the country, 15th overall receiver in his in this class, and 12th in the state of Texas. This kid's a dog. He's a beast. He's going to be great for the buffs. Um, we did lose Aaron, Aaron Butler's commitment. Looks like he's probably going to go to Arizona, but we replaced him with someone that's just flat out better. I mean, this kid is better, and he's going to be a weapon for sure. I wouldn't be shocked to see him on the field. Um, up next, Cameron Michael, 
He is a six foot one player out of Georgia. Um, he was being recruited by the dogs. So what we did was we went in and we won a recruiting battle in the state of Georgia against the Georgia Bulldogs. He was being recruited by some programs as a defensive back, others as a wide receiver. We recruited him as Travis Hunter. <laughs> we won. That's obvious. Uh, another high four-star kid, 94, 94 rating, 77 in the country, fourth overall at his position for athletes, and 14th in the talent-rich state of Georgia. I'm, I'm excited to watch that kid because he, he's going to be a monster. So that is three players in the top 100 at the top of our class. Yeah. I can't remember the last time CU did something like that. No, no. I mean, when you're looking, when you're looking at even our all time commitment list, you don't have dudes that are as high as these three are. No, no. I mean, it's, (laughs) it's uncharted territory for the university of Colorado right now Mm -hmm. to have three all in one class that are rated this highly. We haven't done that since they started doing recruiting rankings. It is huge. Then we have another four-star, Brandon Davis Swain. We've talked about him. He's on the defensive line, 6'3", 263. They've also trotted him out at, at tight end, which is just absurd in high school. Um, this kid's a monster. He plays with a great motor. He's 90, so he's a lower mid four-star, a lower four-star, but still number 34 at his position, number five in the state of Michigan. That's kind of what you're seeing is these recruiting hotbeds are really starting to percolate for the buffs, whether that's Florida, Texas, Georgia, Michigan always puts out some good players. Our next two commits are both from the state of Georgia, Omar White and Eric Brantley, both defensive linemen. I'm not sure you've seen the news about Omar White, but let's just say I won't bank on him being in this class. Is it a, what did, was he an early commit? Uh, it has nothing to do with him flipping, oh. except to potentially a state penitentiary. Oh, shit. Yeah, he has an active court case going on. Um, he was involved in a shooting a while back. He hasn't really been on the bus commit list for quite a while. Um, 24-7 still has him on the list. Um, you know, if you read what guys like Adam Munster Tiger at 24-7, you know, who's one of the best in the business are saying, it is don't bank on him signing with any school at this point. Um, so just be aware of that. But Eric Brantley, he's a 6'2", 250-pounder on the defensive line. He's also played running back, a defensive lineman at running back. Athlete. He's a beast. He is a beast. <laughs> so he's one to be excited about. Uh, Zakarl Lewis out of Venice, Florida. Um, same high school as Charles Lester III. And I want to talk about him in just a minute, but he's a three-star wide receiver, um, kind of a speedster at 5'10 and 160, but he can burn. He's going to be a good player for us. Uh, Next up is Montre Bradford, someone that we flipped a little while ago from Georgia Tech. Really good player, 6'5", 237. He's an edge rusher, high three-star kid, 88. I I still remember years ago when we would be – this kid would be the top recruit in our class. The top recruit, yeah, yeah. We – we would have lost our mind about him. And now he's towards the bottom of our high school commit list, <laughs> which is amazing. And then last but not least, a five foot nine, 210 pound running back, uh, Micah Welch, also out of Georgia. This kid, he fits the mold of the running backs that Prime wants. 
you know, mm-hmm. you, you and I have both been watching coach prime. A lot of our listeners have been watching coach prime season three. He mentioned, I'm not sure if everyone caught this, but he mentioned he wants the small squatty running backs that are really hard to knock off their feet. Kind of those little bowling ball types. Mm-hmm. This kid fits that mold and he's got quick feet. He just put out a video not too long ago um, of him doing some running back drills and kind of footwork drills. He's got quick feet. He's got a low center of gravity. He had a great year. I'm actually a little surprised he's only rated as a high three star. And they, maybe he's closer to a low four star, but this kid's a player. So yeah. that wraps up our early signing day kids for high school. We are going portal heavy. We currently have 15 commits out of the portal. Yeah. Which is, I, I mean, that's which what we need, right? Which, which isn't always a bad thing because you never quite know how a kid's game is going to translate from high school to college. So it's not like like a lot of these dudes have game tape that that we are able to look at and be like what what kind of system do they do they work in um, you know how how well are they going to fit in in our defense or in our offense um, yeah this was another big weekend for transfers uh, we had. Uh, the brothers, the twins out of Kentucky, one's a quarterback, one's an edge rusher, edge rusher, and uh, Destin Wade and Keaton Wade. Um, those guys are both going to be, um, I mean, Destin, you know, is probably going to be the immediate backup to Shador is what I would, under, is what I would imagine. Um, and then, and then you always need edge rushers. You always need guys back there that are going to be able to get after the quarterback. To quote Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend as we also did get another commit at the quarterback position. This one's wild. Six yeah. foot seven, 235 from Vanderbilt, Walter Taylor. Now, I'm not yeah. sure how, how much of quarterback he is. His throwing motion is a little wonky. But for a tush-push situation, some special packages. This kid <laughs> runs like Anthony Hankerson, where it was just violent. And... uh I, I'm excited to see him. Maybe we transition to a tight end position. We're pretty light in that room right now. And my God, a six, seven player. Whew, whew, that could, uh, that could bring some damage. We also got, um, we got a transfer from Alabama on the defensive line. Anquin Barnes. Mm-hmm. Did you see this kid? I did. So he was primarily a rotational guy at Bama, but he's six four, three fifteen. We need that. We need that right in the center of the defense. Just some big boys that can plug up holes and stuff the run a little bit. I love that. And then today we got Cheetos A, Nwanku. I think that's how you say it, boom. Yeah, Nwanku. There's an extra W in there. Nwanku. He is a beast. He's small at 5'11", 295 in terms of his stature. But... He is a nose tackle that wreaked havoc, not only in the American Athletic Conference, but in the Big 12 uh, last year for the University of Houston. Yeah, he, uh, high motor guy. It was the is what I was gathering from all the tape here. Um, yeah, a little undersized at that um, kind of inside defensive lineman position, but just an absolute motor. Has a very quick first step, so a lot of the times he's getting off the ball a lot faster than some of the centers and guards that he's playing. So he's just able to get into the backfield very, very quickly, and that was where we saw. Um, 
a lot of issues, to be honest, uh, is that we're just allowing plays to develop as opposed to disrupting them in the backfield. Yeah, I think this guy's going to step in and immediately be a game changer for us right out of the gate. Um, our first game, he's going to be – our first game is against – I want to say it's North Dakota State, which I hate that. I hate that so much. But he's going up against FCES guys, should have an advantage talent-wise. I, I think he's going to be an immediate impact player. And then when we go on the road to Lincoln the following week – He's going to be a big help. Um, we also got crazy. We offered him uh, when he was coming out of high school in 2018. Did we? Yeah. Did we? Yeah. Well, we finally got him. You know, that that's the interesting <laughs> part about recruiting nowadays is, especially when you have a coach that sticks around for a little bit, which we're all banking on prime to do. Just because you lose out on a guy coming out of high school doesn't mean that chapter's closed or that book is closed. Right. The, People enter the portal so consistently nowadays that you want to maintain that relationship and have a quality relationship with them as they go off to their first year of college. You can't obviously reach out to them. You could do some back channeling as every team does, but you want to maintain that relationship. And I'm glad we got this kid on campus. He's going to be a beast. This one might be my favorite. The next two are probably my two favorite commits from the transfer portal. And that's Cordale Russell a 6'4", 210 wide receiver, transfer from TCU, calls himself Baby T.O., as in Terrell Owens, and then Quincy Wiggins, 6'5", 265 defensive lineman and edge rusher, basically, from LSU. Yeah. I love that pickup. Both played. I mean, that's big-time football that these dudes have played. Yes. I mean, you're playing – at, at TCU, he was a high four-star coming out of high school. Rumors are he didn't get along with the coaching staff very well at TCU, so it was kind of a mutual, like, hey, you might want to enter the portal. And he was like, fuck yeah, I do. <laughs> so he, come, he comes here, and he'll be able to meet his idol that he tries to name himself after in Terrell Owens because T.O. is always hanging out at the buff sideline. So that'll be a, a really cool moment for him, I'm sure. And then Quincy Wiggins, man, he was a high four-star kid also coming out of high school. And he's just a physically imposing man. I mean, that's who you want first off the bus. Like, he's just going to intimidate the hell out of people. And coming off the def- on that, off that line, that one's great. Um, got another really good corner in Preston Hodge. Transferred from Liberty. He was one of the top-rated corners in the transfer portal. We already touched on the twins. They're they're going to be something. Um, I, I'm more excited about Keaton, the edge rusher versus Destin, and then we got uh, Will Shepard. We talked about him last pod, the big uh, receiver out of Vanderbilt, and then we have your favorite name on the all main t- on the all name team, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Chamon. Chamon, big tight end, big tight end. Right now, probably. I would classify him as our only tight end in the room because Louis Palacero always gets hurt. Um, so he's our real tight end. Then obviously a bunch of linemen. We did lose a transfer lineman commit today, which is part of the reason why I brought that up at the start of that committing as a transfer means something different than committing as an underclassman. Um, we did lose Bedford, the offensive lineman out of Indiana. 
he decided to go play for Tiny Dick Dan <laughs> and the Oregon Ducks, which sucks. Wow. But yeah. if we flip that big four-star tackle from them, I'll call it even. Yeah, yeah, I would completely agree. Um, no, man, like this is it's, – it's a great class so far. Um, I, st- I still don't think Prime is done. I still think there might be some, some, some surprises that are be coming up here on this early signing day. Um, but already he has completely flipped the offensive line where – I truly feel that Shador Sanders is going to have a lot more time back there and he's going to have a lot more opportunities to get the ball into these playmakers' hands. Right, and that that's the big thing. You give Shador time, he will dice up damn near any defense in the NCAA. He yeah. will. And we're going to a very pass-happy league and conference in the Big 12. He's going to have his opportunity, and... You know, you look at the quarterbacks, the quarterback class for next year, not to get too far ahead of ourselves. It's not nearly as deep as this year. There's no Caleb Williams. There's no Bo Nix. There's no Michael Penix Jr. or Drake May. You know, next year, you're looking at it right now. It's like Jalen Milrow, who, how does his skill set really convert in the NFL? It's Carson Beck just announced he was coming back to Georgia, which created a ripple effect in terms of recruiting news that you and I will talk about here in a second. It's Quinn Ewers out of Texas, who's, eh, in my eyes, I don't think Quinn Ewers is that is as special as what his ranking was in high school. Mm-hmm. I mean, this kid had a perfect ranking coming out of high school for a recruit. He, he hasn't lived up to it. Like, those are probably your top quarterbacks along with Shador next year. And I think Shador is clearly – clearly the best yeah i i mean i would i would agree with you uh based on the play of this season this this draft this uh class coming out is a very top heavy quarterback class particularly if caleb williams decides um news came out today that jaded daniels out of lsu did commit to go to the nfl or did or is going to enter the nfl draft um so you know, there's a lot of top end guys, which is just going to pave the way for Shador. And I mean, there's always guys that pop up that we never, that we kind of forget about, um, you know, a good example here, maybe Dylan Riola uh, just transferred to the university of Nebraska, uh, which is going to, which is marking, going to end up marking a new era for Nebraska football between him and Matt rule. I would say. Yeah. Um, really interesting flip here. So, uh, obviously, a lot of this podcast listenership hates the University of Nebraska. I would be stunned if we have anyone that's a Nebraska fan listening to us, because, God, why would you, unless you're just that obsessed with the buffs? But Dylan Rail, so this kid is the number one overall uh, quarterback for this year's high school class. He's the number two overall player in this year's class. A huge gift for the University of Nebraska. He was previously committed to Georgia, and he was also previously committed to Ohio State. He is also on either his third or fourth high school. Mm-hmm. Here, here's kind of my thoughts on on Dylan, and this isn't just because he is a Nebraska commit. I do not think he is the best quarterback in this class. 
I think he is going to transfer out of Nebraska within a year and a half. We can bookmark this podcast. And honestly, I think that Georgia kind of let him walk on this one. Because let's be real. Why would anyone go to the University of Nebraska in Lincoln over the University of Georgia and Athens, Georgia? I think he was afraid of the competition. I think he knew that Carson Beck was coming back. And Georgia is also bringing in a second top quarterback commit that has been committed alongside of Dylan this whole time. And that kid's a dog. He's not afraid of the competition. He's actually welcoming it. And suddenly Dylan ran. Now there are a couple of other factors. Dylan's dad was a legend at Nebraska. His name is on the stadium. It'd be no different than, you know, Rashawn Salam having a kid that went to university of Colorado or Cordell or Michael Westbrook, any of them that, that plays a role. Also Dylan's uncle is the offensive line coach for the university for the university of Nebraska. He was on Scott Frost's staff. He's now on Matt Rule's staff. He just got a 53% pay raise. My guess is some of that money is being funneled towards Dylan. Um, just my tinfoil hat conspiracy theory. But Dylan Rayola commits to the University of Nebraska. What that means for us as Buffs fans, because they are one of our first games of the season next year, is we are going to like more than likely be going up against a true freshman in his second career start. Give me that game. Give me that game 10 times out of 10. I don't care that he's a five-star. He could be the second fucking coming of Peyton Manning for all I care. We're going to win that game because he's a true freshman. Mm-hmm. Like, they get rattled. They get rattled. And that's another reason why I think he's going to transfer out because Nebraska fans are going to be riding his ass about being the savior. And there isn't a single freshman quarterback that is a savior right out of the gate. There isn't. Yeah. No. No, you have I'm to give the kids to time the to develop. One. You have to give the kids time to develop, and the Nebraska fan base is just not one of those fan bases that is going to even allow that. Um, but I do. But I mean, Dylan, he he is coming from a football background. I mean, his dad played center in the NFL for 13 seasons. I mean, he he's gonna know obviously from hearing stories from his dad, you know, kind of how this process is going to work. And that's where he's going to have a leg up on a lot of kids. I think is he may have just kind of that, that path a little bit forward of how to prepare for that mental toll that being the starting quarterback of a college football program is going to be. Yeah. And, you know, I hope for his sake that that is the case. I hope he is mentally ready for this. You know, he, he's walking into a situation that I wouldn't call um, good mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination because uh, Marcus Satterfield, the offensive coordinator at Nebraska, is horrible. He is horrific. I mean, we thought last year was bad as Buffs fans. I promise you it would have been worse if we were Husker fans. The only reason the Huskers even had the season they had is because their defense was actually pretty dang solid. They they didn't replace Satterfield, and their fan base hates him. So he was previously South Carolina, and he was ruining Spencer Rattler. I, I I don't know what they're doing up there, but the offensive line play wasn't great. The running game was not good. 
he doesn't have many weapons up there. I mean, there's Malachi Coleman, who the Buffs tried to flip late in the process and damn near did. But his mama is a big Cornhusker fan. He's from Nebraska, so she wanted him to stay home. And my guess is they opened the checkbook. You know, Nebraska's NIL uh, collective has a lot uh, because there's literally nothing else to do in Nebraska other than watch Husker football and Husker athletics. Um, so they spend all their money on that. I, I don't, I really don't think Rayola is going to live up to the hype. And like I said, I would be saying that if he went to Georgia and he would have yeah. transferred out, he would have transferred out of there within a year because he doesn't want to sit. He doesn't want to sit behind Carson Beck. You know, one thing that may keep him at Nebraska is he could be a three-year starter if he decides, if he's good enough. And if he decides to go pro after three, he could be a three-year, but I, I just don't see it out of him. He's talented, but I don't think he is the most talented in this class. I don't. Yeah, I think it's Julian saying the kid that's going to Bama. He he's yeah, a damn good quarterback. Yeah, uh, there's also uh, a kid uh, DJ Lagway who is going to the University of Florida. He, Why? Why I, is he going to Florida? He, 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 I don't know. He's from Texas. Like, I don't, I don't know. He must be getting a bag and a half. Yeah. Because right now you cannot pay me to go to Florida. Like, <laughs> honestly, they were a five and seven team. And Billy Napier is on the hot seat in a major way. And watching that game against FSU with a, not, with not full power FSU, they were getting killed. They were getting yeah. dominated. Yeah. Like, yeah. why would you go to Florida right now? I, I don't know. Some, yeah, it's so different now because of these NIL deals. It's, just, it's so different now. And, you know, talking about, like, the transfers and the transfer portal, do you think that it has gone that, – that it's gone a little overboard in what has transpired because of these rule changes, thanks to the COVID pandemic. Yes, absolutely. You know, the the free transferring and NIL has just created free agency. And yeah. there there's tampering going on constantly. Constantly. I mean, you've got coaches potentially approaching players on their team and saying, hey, you you played against this guy in high school, or hey, you you know this guy from the Under Under Armour All America game, or whatever the case may be, and he's like, the coach was will ask, why don't you uh, why don't you message him and see if he'd be interested in coming here next year, and then there's backroom deals on the on the NIL space, especially with these teams that have major major collectives, which the Buffs don't. I mean, the Buffs for Life announced what they brought in last year, and it wasn't small; it was seven hundred fifty thousand, but. If you think that's competing with the likes of Texas or Ole Miss, who's Ole Miss is killing it in the portal this year. They've gotten all yeah. the top players or Alabama or Georgia or Oregon or any of these big name teams. We're, we're not. And notice who's getting these top high school recruits. You know, you, you look at the list and it's so obvious what's going on here. Like supposedly Raiola is getting 3 million over three years. At Nebraska. That's, That's the rumbling is that this 18 year old kid who's never played a down is getting somewhere in the neighborhood of $3 million over three. 
from the University of Nebraska. Or I can only imagine what Lagway's deal must be because he's going to get killed behind that offensive line. So hope he's good with his money. Like it, it's it's become NFL light. It, yeah. it really has because you've got kids with extra eligibility. They're going to their third college or going to their second school. There was obvious tampering going around. And it takes away from the excitement that is college football. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. Because like you said, it's, it's free agency. It's you're you're going out and you're talking to these kids. I mean, it's happening. There's back channels that allow you to do so. And it's just, I, I think that they need to put a kibosh on this ASAP. Has it benefited the Colorado Buffaloes? Yes, it has. But now that we're now four football seasons removed from, from COVID, they, they need to go back to the way it was. Where you have yeah, to I mean, city, you have to sit a year if you transfer. There, I think it was like UTEP. Yeah, it was University of Texas El Paso. I think their uh, their quarterback's going on his seventh year of college football. Right, that's longer than dudes playing the NFL. Yeah, what What's are we that, doing? That's that line from Tommy Boy where uh, Chris Farley says to David Spade, "He's like a lot of guys go to college for six years," and, and David Spade goes, "Yeah, they're called doctors." <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's accurate. Like, it's so bad. I mean, this kid's gonna leave with like twelve degrees. Good for him, but Jesus Christ, man, graduate, yeah, Wilder. It, it's fucking sad, but you know, we we have benefited. I will admit that. If you don't think Jordan Seaton's getting a little bit of a bag, Jordan Seaton's getting a bag. It, it happens, and we got to play the game, and we're adjusting on the fly, which we need to. Do you think that it takes away a bit from like the tradition? Yes. Thousand where, percent, yes. where these kids aren't going to be bought into the school and the atmosphere. They're not going to be playing for their school. They're playing for themselves individually, which is why college football was so different than the NFL. Yeah. And why people love it so much. Yeah. I mean, it absolutely is like, let's just look at the top transfers, right? You know, you got Walter Nolan, the big defensive lineman. Um, he's transferring from Texas, Texas A&M. He's projected right now. Go to Ole Miss. He's getting a bag. Aiden Chillis, the quarterback from Oregon State, follows Jonathan Smith to Michigan State. Michigan State notoriously has a huge collective. He's getting a bag. Dante Moore, former top quarterback, one of the top quarterbacks. Was it at UCLA? Guess where he's going? Oregon. Oregon. That's a bag. You know, you've got kids transferring out of Florida State, and the rumblings are is they want a bag. And Florida State's not matching their offers. Like, this is what is happening. This is college football now. You know, USC just got the transfers getting the commit of Will Howard, who was the quarterback at Kansas State. USC has a huge collective. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. It's it's taken away the pride of playing for your school, of playing for something bigger than you, playing for the community, which – that's always been the piece that separated college from the NFL. Like you said, uh, is that connection and that emotional tie. There's a reason guys say where they went to school, you know, when they're being introduced for Monday night football, 
it sucks. It sucks. Yeah. And these kids should be making money, but the problem is, is NIL varies from state to state. There's no overarching guidelines, rules, whatever you want to call them. So like the Missouri, for example, the state of Missouri specifies that if you're going to high school in Missouri and you go to a state school in Missouri, so University of Missouri, you can make NIL while you're in high school. Really? Yeah. And the like sixth overall player in the class, he defense, he's a defensive lineman. Guess what? He's from Missouri and he's going into Missouri. He's the, he's a five-star. Missouri doesn't get five stars. Right. He he's making a bag while he's still in high school or like Texas's NIL rules are totally different than Colorado's and Colorado's are different than Utah's and Utah's are different than Alabama's. Yeah. That's the problem is you've got these States just running wild and you can't have that in something that is as far reaching as college football. Yeah. That is national. And there's going to be changes. I believe it's just a matter of when, not a matter of if it's going to happen. There's going to be rules that are put into place. And just like the NCAA, there is going to be a governing body that comes in here and tries to uh, like even the field where, where coaches and schools have the same, I don't know. I don't know whether if, if they, if it's like a budget, like each school has X amount of money that they can pay players, which again, the schools are not paying the players. It it isn't structured like that. It's a collective (laughs) quote unquote collective. Which are totally separate from the schools. Right. But in reality, like, you know, the coach, let's, let's use the University of Colorado as an example, right? Just because that, that is close to home. Coach Prime will say, hey, we really want to go out and get Travis Hunter. Let's, let's pretend we're in this world where Travis wasn't guaranteed to follow Prime. He's going to cost us. Six fifty a year, six hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, and the collective says, "Okay." And then the collective reaches out to Hunter's agent, or the Hunter's agent reaches out to the collective, and suddenly Travis Hunter commits. Right. This is how it's working. It's not, you know, Rick George is on the phone with these agents saying, "Yeah, we'll give we'll give Jordan Seaton a million dollars to come play here." Right. That's, that's not how this is going. It's these big donors that are doing it. And I, God, I wish Trey Parker and Matt Stone would get involved at the university and really hammer our collective home. Or, you know, the founder of Crocs, George Bodecker, he's, he has donated to the Colorado athletics. You know, he donated both the men's and women's practice gyms for basketball, which we've both seen. Mm-hmm. He donated the indoor golf practice facility, which is a beautiful facility out of Colorado national. Would love to see him get involved since Crocs is still like a pretty big thing, surprisingly. Yeah. But, or the founder of Chipotle, but they're, they're just not. And, you know, we don't have the Texas oil money. We don't have the Nike shoe money. Like we're, we're relatively small time here. And until we, there is a cap, a salary cap basically is what, what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. We're, we're banking on Prime's brand. Like that, that is why we're in this conversation for all these kids is no other school has a TV show like we do. Well, I guess Notre Dame does, but it's kind of weird. 
no one else has that. No one else has Coach Prime who's in Almond commercials and was able to get, you know, Alton McCaskill and Charlie Offerdahl in that with an NIL deal. No one else has this reach that Coach Prime has, and that's why we're getting these commits. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's, it's we, we're we're banking on the exposure that you're going to get because of the coach that we have for our school. You're going NFL teams are going to see you play. And right now for NIL companies. Yeah, that too. It's brand exposure. Yeah. Like 100%. Uh, that's what it is and that's also why I I mentioned Charles Lester earlier as someone that we recruited could be a flip. Prime has always flipped a five-star on signing day. I think he's trolling us because when you put out anything as a recruit, mentioning Colorado, mentioning Coach Prime, your engagement skyrockets. I mean, you can look at the numbers of likes, follows, retweets, just activity on tweets or likes on Instagram. Those posts are the most liked by far and away. Whenever it mentions Colorado, mm-hmm. I, I think he's trolling us. But right now, that's also what we're pitching, right? Is like, you're going to build your brand. I mean, when Jordan Seaton committed, he gained 50% of his Instagram following. He up, he improved his following by 50%. He doubled it. Yeah. I mean, he doubled his following. Like, that. that is... That is what happens when you come to Colorado, and that's why our players are getting brand deals is because they get this massive following that isn't just Colorado fans. It's not just Coach Prime fans. It's both. And then you've also got college football fans because Coach Prime is so polarizing one way or the other that are just going to follow him for the fucking drama, for the story. And that's that's what we're pitching, but it has taken away a lot from the game to a certain extent. Yeah. And it sucks. It sucks to see as someone who is a college football sicko like myself. Well, if anybody has any suggestions, anything that they want to talk to us about, about these NIL deals, about the uh, transfer portal, please hit us up on our socials. Uh, please chat to us about it. Cause obviously we have some opinions uh, that don't necessarily differ. I think we just have different, um, different thoughts. Uh, Right on, everybody. Well, thank you so much for giving us another list on Out of Office Bros. We'll be out of office again next Friday. So for immediate assistance, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, and anywhere that you get your podcast. Please be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and pretty, pretty please tell your friends and family. Sco Buffs, early signing day on Wednesday. Let's welcome in our new uh, Colorado Buffaloes with open arms. And uh, as always, boycott opening day. That's God's game. God damn right. Peace.